It's March 4th, 2022, and this is your Ukraine Daily Brief from the DSR Network. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. At the top of today's episode, I want to remind our listeners that Chris and I draw extensively from great reporting done on the ground by outlets around the globe. We cite every story we draw on on our website and as many in the show notes as the technology will allow. Our top story today is the fire at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which is the largest in Europe. Thankfully, the fire was only at a training facility and is out now. Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky accused Russian troops of shelling the power plant on purpose. Radiation levels appear normal, U.S. and Ukrainian officials said, following the attack on the power plant. Rafael Grossi, head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, has told Ukraine and Russia that he wants to visit Chernobyl as soon as possible to agree on a framework to avoid future attacks on nuclear power plants. EU Foreign Policy Chief Josep Borrell has expressed his support for an emergency meeting of the UN Security Council following the attack, warning that such attacks could have catastrophic consequences. The Russian military now has control over the facility but employees are continuing to work. The situation is obviously incredibly dangerous and evolving, and we will continue to track it. Ukraine's presidential advisor, Mikhailo Podolyak, announced on Twitter after the second round of peace talks that the results Ukraine needs are not yet achieved. There is a solution only for the organization of humanitarian corridors. We'll stay on top of this story as it continues to evolve. Yesterday, the United States added full blocking sanctions on eight Russian oligarchs and their families, imposed visa restrictions on 19 Russian oligarchs and 47 of their family members and close associates, and full blocking sanctions on seven organizations used by Russia to push out disinformation. Echo of Moscow, the freewheeling radio station founded by Soviet dissidents in 1990 and that symbolized Russia's new freedoms, was liquidated by its board. TV Rain, the youthful independent television station that calls itself the Optimistic Channel, said it would suspend operations indefinitely. In light of Putin's attacks on the Russian free press, the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations introduced the Internet Freedom and Operations Act of 2022, a new bipartisan legislation to bolster the U.S. government's ability to combat authoritarian and repressive governments using Internet access as a means of suppressing information, sharing and communications among everyday people, civil society, organizations, and journalists. The Guardian reported on growing pressure from the European Union on the United Kingdom to do more on sanctions. On Thursday, Franz Timmermans, the European Commission's first vice president, said, the UK is now following our lead, and I'm sure they will continue to follow the lead. An anonymous British government official told The Times that enforcing sanctions on par with the EU would take weeks and months due to capacity issues. In my opinion, they don't call it London Grad for nothing. London has long been a haven for dirty money from Russia. A golden visa program allowed people with at least £2 million in investment funds and a UK bank account to apply for residency rights along with their family. The program attracted thousands of kleptocrats, and many are now under investigation. The program just ended in February. In addition, there have been a number of assassinations and assassination attempts on Russian dissidents and defectors in the UK in recent years. The UK has turned a blind eye to corruption and illegal activities for far too long. 
the EU and US should not just put pressure on them, but should work with them to build capacity so this isn't a problem in the future. Yesterday, both Georgia and Moldova applied for EU membership. Both of these former Soviet republics are trying to get in before Russia turns its attention to them. Russia already took over part of Georgia in 2008. As with Ukraine, though, even if they are given candidate status, it would take years for them to be part of the union fully. French President Emmanuel Macron spoke with Vladimir Putin on Thursday. A statement released about the conversation by the Kremlin said that the goals of Russia remain full demilitarization of Ukraine and neutrality, and that their demands would increase with the length of the conflict. The statement also said that the, quote, special operation, quote, was going, quote, according to plan. In addition, the Independent reports that in televised comments, Putin said that Russia will destroy the anti-Russia created by the West and parroted the human shields allegation that Russian officials told Indian officials yesterday. Speaking of India, leaders from Quad countries, India, Japan, Australia, and the United States, had a call yesterday where Ukraine was discussed. However, it did little to sway India's position, and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi emphasized the need to return to a path of dialogue and diplomacy in Ukraine during the meeting. Yesterday, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas created an 18-month temporary protected status program for Ukrainians. This will allow eligible Ukrainians who have been in the U.S. since March 1st to apply for work permits and deportation protections. CBS reported that the designation is expected to benefit 75,000 Ukrainians. The U.S. military has set up a communication channel with the Russian military to de-conflict troop movements and prevent any misunderstandings. The U.S. had a similar line set up with the Russians when both countries were actively engaging in Syria. However, that did not prevent Russians from dropping bombs near American locations, and an American was hurt when a Russian vehicle bumped an American one. The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank has suspended all current and pending business related to Russia and Belarus following the outbreak of conflict in Ukraine. China owns a 27% stake in the bank, and while China has not publicly condemned Russia for the attack on Ukraine, this move could prove significant. You can read the full story at the Financial Times. The Biden administration formally asked Congress for an additional $10 billion in funding for the war in Ukraine. The request included $4.8 billion to fund the deployment of troops to NATO countries, as well as $4.25 billion in humanitarian and economic aid for Ukraine. Senator Chris Murphy, who appeared on Deep State Radio yesterday, said, This is going to be a multi-year humanitarian nightmare, and we also have to be wise to all the asymmetric threats Russia is going to levy at us, whether it be cyber attacks or information warfare. So I would argue, go big. In addition to the president's request, the executive vice president of the European Commission, Valdas Dombrovskis, told a video conference of economy and finance ministers yesterday that they were progressing swiftly on new emergency macrofinancial assistance for Ukraine, totaling 1.2 billion euros, the first 600 million of which, he said, would come in March. That's all the news we have for you this week. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find our show. If you have a tip or topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at udb at the dsrnetwork.com.
Members of the DSR network will receive an evening newsletter version of the Ukraine Daily Brief. So go to the dsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, tune into other DSR Network podcasts like Next in Foreign Policy and Deep State Radio, where this week we spoke to former ambassadors to NATO and Ukraine, a former Supreme Allied Commander of Europe, and Senator Chris Murphy. Stay safe and stay tuned to the Ukraine Daily Brief from the Deep State Radio Network.